is up everybody and welcome back to uh what are we doing today we're doing the sam's report it is friday it is post build and my show notes just crashed <laughs> oh let's get those back open there but um a lot going on a lot going on um so couple things as a bunch of people in the chat room pointed out they said where the hell am i and i am upstairs in my house for a couple reasons one i am like, tanked literally just exhausted from coming back from build i've got to go to chicago next week going to vimon uh probably going to do a meetup on tuesday evening if you're in the chicagoland area near the mccormick center there's a bar called the art bar is very well where we might end up i haven't seen it in person which is why i'm not saying definitively that's where we're going but um, I am upstairs in my house this morning because I didn't get downstairs to set up the studio and a couple other reasons. The primary reason being I've got a lot of demos and like little things to click on. And it's easier to do from this machine than the one downstairs because it's downstairs. It's all rigged up for like multiple different podcasts and rewiring all that crap is annoying. And so I am upstairs. I actually turned my desk 90 degrees, which is what some people pointed out. Is there something like wrong with my screen? Oh, no, there's something. Oh, there's like a scratch out there. Uh, anyways, uh, I totally lost my train of thought. But um, so if you're listening to this on the audio portion, it, this is one that's probably going to be good to jump over and actually watch the video. And plus, you can see a different angle upstairs. I've actually got this view cropped a little bit because there's a window on this side. You can see how it's kind of bright over here and it really washes everything out. Anyways, so we are back from build back from Seattle, doing all the good stuff. And obviously a crazy kind of week if you're in the world of Microsoft. Some ups, some downs, but there's this is definitely some times where you gotta read between, uh, you gotta read between the lines on what Microsoft announced versus what's going on and that sort of stuff. Because if you're a consumer looking at this, you're thinking like, ah, man, like there, there's nothing there. Like it was all kind of boring and dry and a lot of that stuff. But there's, we'll get to some of that stuff here in a second. But um, just some general high notes from the keynote. They, they were kind of odd in to some extent. First off, Satya walks out onto the stage on day one. And the first words out of his mouth are about Apple stock price. And then day two, Joe Belfiore walks out and roughly the first words out of his mouth are about uh, Google I.O. It's like, I know you guys are trying to be like all friendly bunch and whatnot, but it's just like, this is your conference. The first things out of your CEO and Joe's mouth shouldn't be about what else is going on in the world with your direct competitors and their events and that kind of stuff. I don't know. It just, it ought or whatever. And um, the other thing too is, I, I don't know how everyone else felt. And this is becoming a pretty common trend is Satya comes out before these keynotes and he does like a 45 minute session on a whole bunch of stuff. But it's not really like it's corporate related, but it, it's just like super in the clouds and what they were talking about and his stuff. I don't know if, if this was like the perfect event for it. And um, considering the fact that the keynote was three and a half hours long, it, I don't want to say you want to cut out your CEO, but I think he could have just come at me like, hey, thanks for showing up. Uh, we're really excited to be here. And then handed it over to Scott and um, gone from there. But whatever. That's just kind of some personal feedback about I think he was on stage for too long. And I mean, he's, you know, that's just kind of my, my hot take on it. But overall, I think it was a good conference. A lot of IoT stuff, Microsoft, this should come as no surprise when they put out that memo that... 
Windows was being demoted, and they said Edge is the new winner, and there you go. And so they talked a lot about this intelligent edge, the IoT, the Azure. This is where they think they're going to grow, hopefully, to grow a lot of revenue, which makes sense because it's a growing market. Microsoft's got a good product. They've got the cloud-backed services. They've got the analytics platform. They have the whole suite. Their kind of pitch was, you can start with Microsoft at the edge, and we can build your entire stack and have everything you need and not just half-assed products, for lack of better terms, but they have the whole portfolio from edge to analytics, and that's kind of, yeah. So there you go. Uh, day two is obviously a lot more exciting. Joe B is a good presenter and he came out and they're talking about Windows stuff, talking about your phone stuff. We'll get to that more in a minute. And if you're going to go back and watch one of these, I definitely recommend, especially for this audience, I would stick to day two. Unless you're very into development, developer coding sessions and demos and that kind of stuff, then go check out day one. But there was some awkwardness there too, especially... The uh, what was really kind of bad too was they had the NBA up and like literally the NBA, like the IT guy from the NBA, and they had this cool demo, but it was overshadowed by a kind of poor production quality. The guy wasn't a great presenter, and um, it's just kind of awkward. Although I do recommend going back and watch when Scott Guthrie or not Guthrie, Scott Hanselman, his mic broke, and Scott Guthrie, they had a nice little, very impromptu kind of mic handoff, and it was very well done. Um, so there you go. The one thing I do want to point out before we kind of dive into some more specific non-build things is Cortana. And I, I'm a little, a little jaded by this because I'm more nervous than anything else. Now, Cortana was mentioned a bunch at build, but it was, they, they took this approach and Mary Jo Foley actually interviewed Javier, uh, who is now leading the group. And they said that they, they're taking the approach of just showing Cortana in all the environments rather than saying, here's Cortana in the new features. And I have to tell you, I don't know if I agree with that approach. I think they could absolutely do both. I, I really do. Because they show Cortana in a bunch of different scenarios, but they never kind of just... Cortana never felt like a first-class citizen on stage ever. And someone's going to point out and say, Brad, but they did this uh, Amazon. I don't want to say the name because it blows up my room. Um, the Amazon assistant, they had this demo on stage where they came out and said, hey, you know, hey, blah, open Cortana. And it was, it, it's, it felt like ordering wine and then it shows up in a bag, right? It's like, oh, I'm going to get a nice glass of Chardonnay. And then it shows up, it's bagged wine. Now, granted, I know some people love bagged wine, uh, but it's typically like you expect this high class bottle to show up and, the, and your server just pours it out of a bag. And they're, I don't know if I love this idea. I understand why they're doing it because Cort, Cort, I got to mute. All, I got to mute these things to be able to say these words. Um, Cortana certainly has a future for Microsoft, but it feels like they're they're hovering, much like they did with Windows Phone, much like they did with the original Connect. And they've got this product, and they've got Microsoft has fantastic AI capabilities, and it has to bubble up through Cortana. That is how this process works. And so when you come out on stage and say, yeah, here's Cortana in this one scenario, here's Cortana in this other scenario, as an adjunct to the primary conversation, it makes Cortana feel second class. And then you come out and say, hey, here's how you can use Alexa and Cortana at the same time. You can say, hey, Alexa, open Cortana and then look at my meetings. And it's just a vomit of bad sadness coming out of your mouth to, to get to that functionality. And it, it makes me concerned that Microsoft isn't going to survive this AI consumer battle again. And um, 
this was the conference to do it because you need developers to buy into Cortana. Yes, it's there and available, but it's always, in my opinion, it was always shown off as a second-class citizen to the primary message Microsoft was sending. And to me, that is very, very concerning. And it makes me nervous that Microsoft doesn't understand what they are actually positioning Cortana as. And you got to understand, guys, I love, I, I want Cortana to win. I want it to be on all my Sonos speakers. I, it's on my PC. I don't want to have to say, hey, Alexa, open Cortana to get to the functionality that I need. It's backwards. It's bad. And it, it reminds me of Microsoft, just what they did with Windows Phone. And it, I, I, don't, I don't want Cortana to go away. That's all I'm trying to say, guys. So we've got that going on. Um, other just kind of general notes, I, Microsoft typically puts together a well-oiled machine when it comes to conferences. They know it. No other major issues. I didn't hear anything of bad happening, uh, what was going on, but so I don't know. We're going to move on here because this is all still build related, but uh, there's some demos and stuff, a lot of sessions going on, a lot of good things. And so the first one that I'm going to show here and make sure I have everything wired up correctly is in one of the sessions they showed off the future of doc of windows like like literal windows inside of uh, windows 10 and so here's a demo of what is now being built in natively where you can see they've got these control menus and they look oh look and now you can drag it out and it, it like it's building these at modular windows inside of windows that can now work and this was shown off in a build session here showing how you can actually just start customizing Windows to make it feel more native and just be a neat little application. I think I thought this was pretty cool that this is now hopefully going to become much more a reality with third-party applications and all that stuff. The fact that it is built in. So there you go. The whole demo kind of started in the middle, but uh, the next thing here is this little guy, and I say little because there's nothing on screen that actually shows you the absolute size of it. But I had a lot of conversations with Microsoft around this, so. One of the kind of things that they mentioned just in passing is that there's a new Connect. It, like Connect is back, but it's not back because it is, but it isn't. And so this Connect works with is a, a suite of sensors, and it works with Azure. And Microsoft knows a lot about this stuff because they've had Connect for several years, and it it ultimately failed, but not failed because it was a great product, uh, just never found a real world use. And so Microsoft took Connect and shrunk it, very tiny. Um, so tiny that this thing can fit in a headset. It's so tiny it can fit in a headset. So uh, can, can you guys imagine a headset that has Connect built in that would be uh, fitting in the Microsoft portfolio? Yeah, this is, this is definitely non-disguised uh, building blocks of HoloLens V-Next. I call it V3 because V2 is technically canceled. I don't know what they'll now, whatever their marketing name will be. I'm not worried about that. But Connect, guys, this Connect is representative. And I think it's more than representative. I think these are some of the sensors that is that are coming in the next-gen HoloLens. And they're showing it off in broad daylight. The reason being is they want developers to be aware of these things, to start building for these things, because anything you build for that Connect is gonna work with HoloLens. It's the same depth sensing cameras, the same motion tracking cameras. Obviously they're upgraded and they're higher fidelity and they have more tracking points and they track more uh, consistently than the last gen connect. But you can imagine why you need all that because when you're holding your hands up in front of the HoloLens, you need to be able to track and see all this stuff. And so this is just one more building block of them starting to show HoloLens. If you remember prior to this, a couple podcasts have said, hey, it wouldn't surprise me if they've showed off HoloLens V2 at build 
And so while they did not show HoloLens V next, they did show this, which is the building block, which is probably where I was starting to hear those whispers that they were going to be talking about this stuff at build. And so here you go. Here is the first major building block of the next gen HoloLens. Uh, it is absolutely coming. It is absolutely in the works. Microsoft is not canning HoloLens. Any rumors contrary to it are completely false and fabricated. I, I talked to many different uh, insiders who are aware of the product and, uh, I've been talking about it for a while. It is still absolutely coming. So that is the first kind of visual evidence that we have um, to that. Now, you can actually take this a little bit further. I believe it was last July that Alex Kitman wrote a post talking about the HoloLens or HGPU, which is the HoloLens graphical processing unit, um, talking about those specs more in the public. And that was, you know, we're getting close to a year, but that was the essentially hollow the previous hololens that got canceled that processor and they're still obviously working on it and iterating it and so i'm getting excited about this this hardware everything i'm starting to hear and it's the fact that we're seeing that connect sensor and we know the functionality of that device you can go read all up on it about how it works with azure uh, begins to paint the picture of what the next gen hololens is going to be and it is looking good uh, speaking of next things coming, Microsoft coyly, coyly, I don't think that's a word, uh, maybe it is, uh, kind of quietly showed off this demo, which you're looking at right here. This is the what they call the meeting of the future or a modern meeting. And that cone-shaped thing in the middle, which we all kind of dubbed the cone of shame in the press room, is a device that can do real-time transcription and translation for anybody in the meeting. So it, it's really cool for AI for what Microsoft positions under accessibility or AI for accessibility that they're showing off. But basically it can take meeting intelligent meeting notes at that and transcribe it for everybody in real time. And so it's, it's the future of surface hub. Now Microsoft has already told us that, um, Surface Hub V2 or whatever we want to call it, the next gen Surface Hub is coming. And this is the this is the genesis of it. We I fully believe that the functionality they were showing off here is going to be in the next gen product. Uh, it just makes sense. Microsoft is trying to modernize meetings. And so they said, hey, look, here's a whole bunch of people in a room being transcribed in real time. So you don't have to worry about taking meeting notes anymore, or at least meeting minutes. There might still be some functionality needed, but then they also showed people who were sitting, who were dialed into the meeting and in a different language and was doing real-time voice translation. And this is kind of the, not, I don't want to say holy grail for meetings, but it really kind of breaks down barriers that, one, you don't have to be taking handwritten notes every single second because this thing does it. And it did it extremely well and extremely accurate. Granted, this was a canned demo, so, you know, real-world performance might um, differ, but the functionality is there and Microsoft is now finally confident that they can bring it out to the real world, which is why I think it's going to be the next gen service hub. It just, it all kind of fits together as long as you are aware of what Microsoft is trying to do. And so that is going on too. Uh, in another session at build, Microsoft started to show off kind of the next gen, not next gen, the evolution of Fluent. And if you're not familiar with Fluent, Fluent is the design system that Microsoft has been baking into Windows 10. And this slide cracks me up because we often joke about context menus are so poorly done in Windows 10 because they never match, they're all different. And so they had this Fluent design context uh, like screen that they showed off. 
and it kind of shows you where context menus are going, which isn't the most glamorous thing in the world, but it, it shows you that Microsoft is at least aware of the issue, and there we go. Now, the other thing they should have tier two is a little bit updated to Fluent Design. They are making some significant changes to back buttons to make for more consistent. Uh, you can also see sets being showed off here. And uh, they're working on shadows as well in the Fluent Design system. And so you can go watch that. Uh, it's I believe it's just called the Evolution of Fluent Design or the Next Gen Fluent Design. You can go watch it. The video is online. And yeah. And so one other thing I want to show off here, and this will spark another conversation, is in this uh, modernizing the Windows environment, which is from the first, I think, thing I showed with the dockable windows. They had this types of windowing environments. So you have 2D desktop style, 2D tablet style, 3D mixed reality, and then there's this new thing. I wonder what that new thing could be. And so clearly, if you can't read... Uh, between the lines or whatever. Uh, short answer here is Andromeda would be that kind of multi-screened tabular uh, or tablet style environment. Now, let's just talk about um, Andromeda for a second. I don't want to, I'm not going to go too deep into anything here, but the one thing I will tell you is that we know the device is absolutely real. Uh, they've got all these patents and they've got everything else. But it may, these, Microsoft is not going to ship a product unless it makes sense. And so just because they are building it and everything else is going on uh, doesn't, <laughs> doesn't mean it's going to become a product. So I, I don't, I'm not, Andromeda is not canceled. I don't, anybody who says that contrary is so far off base. But they're not just going to launch it for the sake of launching it. And so they need the they need to prove the reasoning in the model, the business model, to make sure it actually sells because they can't build a hero class product and then not sell any or, frankly, lose money on it. And so the only thing I'll, I'll just comment is that they, there's a potential they could never launch it, but that's not what they're where they're at right now. And it absolutely does exist. And so there you go. Um, none of that's whatever. Um other things that we're talking about. So Microsoft is kind of evolving what Microsoft 365 is. Microsoft launched, I think this product was last year at Build. It's been out for a while, regardless. But it's always just kind of been this thing. Like people say Microsoft 365, and it's always looked as like a business class thing. Microsoft is a kind of expanding the umbrella of what Microsoft 365 is. Now, obviously, it includes Office. It includes Windows, and they call it the best productivity environment. They also call it the best development environment because they say Microsoft 365 now includes Pen and Touch, uh, AR, VR, Windows, and all that stuff. But Microsoft 365 isn't like a thing you can just go grab. It's just a, a nebulous umbrella for all these products. And they're also expanding it to include things that are on Android, like they included the Android launcher are now falling into that. And so... What they're trying to do is create this umbrella brand so that it becomes easier. Like, let's just say you buy Windows 10 or whatever. Microsoft wants to be like, once the consumer or user think, oh, Microsoft 365, what else is in there? Because if they go look at that portfolio of products, they all integrate very nicely. And so it's a lot of different products, but they're umbrelling it under this, under this naming so that hopefully they can make it easier to draw the parallels between Windows 10 on the desktop and the Android launcher or Edge on iOS. And so it's just sort of the small evolution of that branding and how they talk about it, which is important because Microsoft 365, they want to become a huge and well-known thing. And it also, at the same time, guys, if, you weren't, if you're not like reading through the details, they are now positioning Microsoft 365 as the premier development platform, not 
Windows. Again, Windows getting knocked down. They want Microsoft 365 to be what people recognize. And it's just something to be aware of about how Windows is becoming just a, a subcomponent of the overall process rather than the component that is going on. So uh, during all this madness, Microsoft shipped a new build of Redstone 5. Yes, they did. And there's actually... There's a lot of stuff in here, but there's a couple things I want to point out. Uh, Acrylic, which is a part of the Fluent Design system, is now showing up in sets and working. And yes, sets is still a random flip the coin, uh, A-B test whether or not you are going to be having it. But, uh, you know, there you go. Because uh, I still get complaints all the time from people who can't access it. Um, Alt-Tab is now showing uh, recent Microsoft Edge tabs. And so they showed off this on stage about how they're working through being alt, changing up Alt-Tab to include tabs, which is an interesting idea because sometimes we want to go back to a specific web page rather than just opening Chrome or Edge. And so I can see some people using this. The only problem I worry about is sometimes that you can have a million tabs open and it creating kind of... Um, anxiety about which thing you're going to go to. But the one thing I want to point out here is that Cloud Clipboard is now showing up and functioning, but only between Windows 10. iOS and Android is not supported. I don't really care at this point. The fact that it is now in there and they're using it, and I will soon be able to right-click, copy an address from um, Outlook, and have it on my phone is going to make life easier. And so I'm very, very, very happy about that. And then there's also the dark theme is uh, coming along as well. And so that was Microsoft's build. I do want to talk about Google I.O. here for just for a second because they were doing the opposite of what Microsoft was doing with Cortana and they're showing their AI everywhere. And if you have not seen the Google AI, uh, the assistant phone call where Google Assistant calls a salon and books an appointment for you, it is absolutely incredible. And this is probably why uh, Microsoft and Amazon are bundling up are bundling up, joining up to try to take on Google AI, uh, Google Assistant, because Google is appearing to be pretty far ahead. And while everything Google showed with this, aside from the phone call, was pretty iterative, the thing is, is that each little step adds up to a giant leap eventually. And so they, they, they're very good at iterating very quickly and just consistently. And uh, Google AI, I, I, in my opinion, is the one to beat at this point, at least from what they're showing publicly. Microsoft hasn't done a great job of showing all the real world use cases, but I highly recommend you go check out the Google phone call stuff because it shows how basically you don't have to talk to people if you don't want to. Uh, but there's also a lot of real legal ramifications. For example, in a lot of states to record a phone call, you have to have dual party consent. Well, if Google AI is calling on your behalf, um, do, you do you have to consent to that? Uh, the other thing too is, is how that could be abused. So robocalling is, I believe, illegal in every state, but if a Google bot is calling on your behalf, is that considered a robocall, uh, a, a robot calling? And should they have to make itself, like if a robot calls me, should it have to say, hey, this is a robot? Um, it's just kind of interesting, kind of ethical and legal questions about how this whole process will work. Uh, it's not really my hoops to jump through because I don't have to deal with it. I just get right about the ramifications of it. Uh, but it, this is obviously coming. I fully expect Microsoft could probably do something similar if they put their heads to it. But it was just a very impressive demo by Google. And uh, they showed a bunch of other updates. And they obviously showed off Android P, which appears to have ripped a lot of the uh, gestures from the iPhone X. If you watch how they announced it, though, they tried to make it sound like they weren't because they said, hey, we've been working on these gestures for over a year. 
Um, but, you know, what? here we are. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Uh, the better the competition in the smartphone space, the better we are off as uh, the user. So that's kind of what the high notes for everything. There's a lot more to talk about. I could probably make this two hours long, but for the sake of sanity, I will not. We're going to dive into the questions here. And we've got from HRLNGRV says, should we all buy in and pitch Nadella a book on speaking concisely? That's kind of how I kicked off this podcast was him talking about it. He said, would it help? Nadella is a fan of cricket and test matches can last for days. Maybe he just has a different perspective on time. Uh, I, I don't disagree. Time is of the essence. Time is valuable. And we could have done without much of what he said. I'm not trying to discount what he said. But there's a time and place for everything, and I don't necessarily agree that that was the time and place for everything that was talked about. Uh, Dan1986 says, what are your thoughts on Microsoft introducing a new feature in Insider Builds, one for uh, one group, but not for the rest of those running the same build? I believe he's referring to sets. This is, I have mixed opinions about this because on one, on one hand, it's Microsoft's product. They can do whatever the heck they want. They... They can do whatever they want. It's their product. They can do it. On the other hand, you opt into the insider stuff to get those bleeding edge features. And by, by not giving it to people, you're kind of it feels disingenuous. What my personal opinion is, is that maybe they should have the fast ring for everything, for every single feature. And if you don't want it all, slow ring maybe? I don't know. It's, it is what it is. Complaining about it's not going to change anything, I don't think, because Microsoft seems pretty set in their ways, if you will. Uh, unintentional pun there. But here we are. Um, yeah, it, it, it sucks because if you don't have it, then you want it. And if you have it, you, you don't really know the difference and whatever. Uh, Bishbash93 says, ideally, I'd wait for a Surface Book 3 with Intel's Ice Lake and NVIDIA GTX uh, next-gen chips, but I'm guessing that's not, not coming until the end of 2019. In the meantime, any news on 2018 Surface Pro? I'd be happy if they talked, uh, take that, I'd, I'd happily take that if they had a 13.5-inch option. I don't know if they were going to go up to that size. Uh, nothing was said at build, and I didn't hear anything about the next-gen Surface. And so I hope that they update the silicone because um, I need to do my, uh, after next week, I'm going to do my, whatever, like five or six months review of the Surface Book 2 because I will then take it to Vegas, uh, Seattle, and Chicago. And I, I feel like I've got a pretty good grasp on these. I can't reach it on the Surface Book 2 and I'll do a video follow-up review on that. And I hope that they are getting ready to refresh the internals because there's nothing more embarrassing than selling a premium device at a very premium price with old chips. I'm looking at you, Surface Studio. So, uh, Spartan Fan says, while Starbucks was talking about their PWA app, they mentioned that the desktop users are ordering at about the same rate as mobile users. I was really surprised by this and expected to be much lower. Was curious what your thoughts were. I fully agree. When they said that, it's, at, it's near the very end of day one keynote. I think it was after the NBA stuff. Uh, they showed off their PWA, their progress, progressive web app. Microsoft was um, going, they had a session on this at Build and all sorts of good stuff. And I was very surprised to hear this as well. And so if, I don't know what to think of it, but actually I do know what to think of it. Uh, I think this is great news for Microsoft personally. That means if people are ordering stuff from the desktop using the PWAs, that means that there's potential that the store is really going to catch fire once all these PWAs are now included. That, that, that to me is good news for Microsoft. It just seems so baffling that it's like 
again, they have the data and they're not going to come out and lie about it. And so I think that was a very good, uh, I was going to say shot across the bow, but more like a firework across the bow of the Windows Store, because that means that PWAs are being used, uh, they have real value, and Starbucks is a, a leading proponent of it. And that's likely why they had them up on stage being like, look, this is the real deal. Uh, regardless of your opinion on PWAs, the fact that Starbucks is seeing that much success from there shows that it can be done. It can be done well. People will use them. To be honest, people probably don't even know that the average person doesn't even know the difference. And uh, there you go. Uh, Tourniquet says, so now that build is over, could you get any more infos about Andromeda's? Uh, the one thing I talked about Andromeda, uh, the one thing we didn't hear at build, which many of us were surprised, Microsoft didn't talk about Windows Core OS. Uh, this is kind of like the, the next big jump, if you will, for Windows 10. Nothing was, um, I don't even think the name was talked about. So I don't really know. I don't really know what the deal is going on with that. They're not like abandoning development or anything. I just figured you're at a build conference. This is kind of a build nerdy thing. Let's let's bring it out. And maybe they're just going to kind of keep it on the background and never really talk about it and just keep showing the new features that are coming and the optimization that it'll bring to the table. But unfortunately, no, they didn't say anything about it. Uh, and then it says... He asks, he says, do you have any info if Microsoft is going to backtrack on cloud only for OneNote with 2016 version? Uh, or can you have a journal on your PC that's not cloud sync? Is it possible with the UWP version? Uh, I don't fully know if you can have a non-cloud synced version of OneNote UWP. Actually, I, what I'm trying to remember, it's been so long that I've done this. I wonder if you can even open the OneNote version of UWP without signing into an account, I think is where your where tourniquet is getting at. And I would should try that, but then I'd have to close my show notes and that would be bad. Um, hmm. I don't know. That's a good question because that functionality appears to be going away when they deprecate uh, OneNote 2016. Now, they are deprecating it, but it's not going to go away anytime soon. They have to live up to the full lifecycle support model. It's just they're publicly come out and saying, hey, if you want the latest and greatest features, it's coming to the UWP version, um, everything else. And so, uh, oh, I f totally forgot to mention the Your Phone stuff. And, and Turnigan brings this up. So Microsoft on stage showed up a Your Phone. It's literally called Your Phone. And what it is, is it's a Dell kind of announced this at CES and then Microsoft's building their own thing. It's just a portal that's on your desktop that syncs everything from your phone. Now, granted with Android, it's gonna work a lot better. You get your text messages, you can share photos, you can do all that stuff from a neat little app. I'm optimistic about it. And the text messaging looks great and it all looks good. Um, Microsoft even came out and said, hey, we'd love to work with Apple so we can get iMessage into your phone. I'm not holding my breath on that one because Apple is very near and dear to holding it and controlling their own destiny. And by doing this, uh, Microsoft would be kind of taking that away from them. I'm still hoping that Apple would bring iMessage to Windows 10 and their own application and bring it to the store potentially. We've seen that they've got iTunes in there. Maybe they will do it for iMessage. I don't see them giving Microsoft control at this point. But um, anyways, your phone stuff looks great. My one major concern is that everything they showed up on stage was a render. It was not, uh, it, they weren't doing it in real time. They were just showing what the process looks like and the last time they did this was with timeline where everything was a render and that didn't ship for a year so I, i'm hoping that your phone comes to fruition very quickly in the in the capacity that they showed it on stage but at the same time 
it was a render, it was a canned demo, it wasn't live or real time. So just keep that in mind that the stuff might be might be coming uh, for a long time away. And so folks, that wraps it up for the questions and everything else. Very content dense stuff this week. And I am very curious to see how this whole evolution of Microsoft talking quietly about HoloLens V3 comes comes about because it, it's they're, they're slowly putting the building blocks together. Uh, I think the, the next big thing we need to look and understand is how they are going to untether HoloLens from the PC. Remember, HoloLens is like three years old at this point. And when they launched it, it untethered VR headsets weren't really a thing. But now we have uh, Lenovo has one. There's the new Oculus one. And so you still need to plug it in. It's not need to be plugged in to be used, but to like sync all the data, it's got to be plugged in. So uh, I, I fully expect it would be completely wired and isolated, meaning it would sync to a PC, but I don't think you need a PC to use one. Obviously better battery life. Pricing will be the interesting one. Pricing is going to be the tough one because there's two schools of thought here, right? Um, what they're doing is new and revolutionary, if you want to use whatever term you call it. Uh, which is, can be expensive. And it's, so do they want to cut on features to get a, a tangible price point or do they want to give us everything we would want but at a higher price point? Keep in mind, the current one is 1500 bucks. I can't see the next gen being anywhere over 1500. Um, for me, like a nice price point that feels good is like 800 bucks. And if, yes, $800 is a lot of money. But if you're looking at kind of first gen consumer product uh it, it's in the realm of being a smartphone smartphones are well over a thousand dollars now if you get the super high end and so uh, that is kind of the next thing we'll be looking for we've got the connect sensors out there we've we've learned about the holographic holographic processing unit i just keeps butchering that and uh, next thing we just need is what's the hardware going to look like? Obviously, field of view. I know that they're building their new light engines, which is the thing that beams all the stuff into your eyeballs in-house. They're not using a third party. And so they are keeping this really close to the chest and they are going, uh, they're doing everything they can to build it as much themselves so that they get the optimal product that they want. And then the granted, they got to get a manufacturer, but they would go to a third party. For, they're not going to spin up a manufacturing unit. So... There you go, guys. That wraps it up for this week. As always, appreciate everybody tuning in. And I'll catch you right back here next time on the Sam's Report. Thanks for watching.